This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area until April 1st, 2024. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. You're listening to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for subscribing on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on Himalaya. My name is David Rommel. It's a part one of a two-part mailbag episode answering the questions that you all sent in using the hashtag AskLOHeat or sending those in via email. I'll talk about whether or not trading Justice Winslow might have been a mistake for the Heat, as well as what Miami players might have been working on to improve their game during the hiatus. But I'll start off with the latest news regarding the resumption of the NBA season. Shams Sharani of The Athletic sent out a series of tweets on Tuesday evening, wrote a couple pieces regarding the proposed plan in Orlando to restart the season, specifically how players will be accommodated during the time they'll be expected to be in the Disney World campus for the regular season and, of course, the subsequent playoffs. Of most importance specific to the Heat is that teams will be housed in hotels based on their record. The best eight teams in the NBA before the season ended will be staying at the Grand Destino Hotel. Those teams include Miami, the Bucks, the Lakers, the Raptors, Clippers, Celtics, Jazz, and Nuggets. Of course, those are the eight teams that are highest in the standings before the season ended. I talked to Keith Smith. If you recall, he was on the show last week. He worked for Disney for a number of years. You might have seen some tweets from him. He's definitely a worthy follow, especially with this cross-section of the Disney World campus and his experience working there and, of course, his, his experience covering the league as well for a number of years. But there's really not much difference between some of these ho- uh, resorts they're talking about. The hotel itself is basically one tower in Coronado Springs. He mentioned that that was going to be the most likely environment for where NBA players would be housed when he was on my podcast last week. It's a great one. It's been updated. It was opened within a year, I think he's mentioned to me. He doesn't really think that there's much difference between these towers, these different locations. There's another location uh, just, you know, where another eight teams will be housed and the last few teams, the last six teams, excuse me, are going to be in a third location known as the Yacht Club. Not much of a difference. We've heard that the Yacht Club doesn't have monorail access. Nobody's going to be using the damn monorail anyway. So it's not like it's a real slap in the face. It's just a slight upgrade, maybe. I mean, all of these will be high-end resorts, according to Keith, who, again, is very experienced in, in these situations. And he knows exactly what he's talking about because he's been to all of these places, helped and, and you know, in some capacity as far as when they were being launched and things of that sort. That's what all cast members do whenever there's a major change like this. So he's familiar with the situation. I asked him about it. Not really a big deal, but it's a nice perk. I think NBA players, like most people, if you just kind of sell them on the fact that this is a perk, uh, they'll probably be appreciative of it and a kind of way of rewarding their efforts during the first, you know, 70 games of the season or whatnot. There are also going to be some special accommodations, according to Chirani and other reporters, that include home, uh, hotel amenities. Uh, there's going to be a players-only lounge, whatever that means. Uh, it's going to have TVs gaming consoles, things like NBA 2K, again, according to Charania. There's also going to be a pool and or walking trails. 
barbers, manicurists, and pedicurists. We know that a lot of guys like having their their nails upkept. I mean, that's just that's normal. Barbers, a huge component uh, for NBA players, and we assume that they're going to want somebody traveling there and being available. I'm not sure if there's going to be a celebrity barber or if it's going to be a guy that a lot of players use or frequent. It's going to be hard to determine uh, who's going to be available, but I imagine they'll be brought in as contractors by the Disney Corporation. There's also going to be a 24-hour VIP concierge available, somebody who's going to be available to, well, I guess procure anything players might want, answer any questions. It seems like it's... As much as we've gotten more definition regarding the bubble campus today than we have in the previous, I don't know, three, four weeks, this is very specific information. Some of these things, we're not quite sure how they're going to be utilized by players or made available because even as the pool and trails and lounge is going to be available to players, again, reportedly, we've also been told something I'll get into later on that players are going to be very isolated and they're going to have to maintain pretty specific self-quarantine restrictions as far as being within their room for most of the time that they're in the Disney World campus, that they'll be pretty much limited to interaction with members of their team, and that if they interact with players outside of their team, that's going to be a little tricky and a lot less, well, let's say, supported. Uh, They're not going to be encouraging players to just bond with other players from other teams. And, you know, again, this is going to be a, a very condensed window uh, as far as you know, players being there, brought into practice, brought into eventually play games, and then within a few weeks, we'll have a couple of teams eliminated. Well, you know, eight, I'm sorry, six teams altogether because there's 22 total teams being invited, of which 16 teams will advance in the playoffs. Uh, Charania also tweeted out that uh, there is going to be daily entertainment uh, provided for players. Again, Keith mentioned that this was something that he had heard being discussed as far as being uh, able to get access to special movies ahead of time or ahead of cinematic release. There's also going to be general movies that, that, that players might like or request. There's also going to be DJs brought in to play music sets, I guess, so they can you know stay up to date with the latest music. Not sure how likely that's going to be considering, well, you're not going to have a lot of people to dance to or dance with. Um, it's going to be a little unusual, I guess, for, for players to just kind of sit around listening to DJs. Maybe. I don't know. I can't envision, envision exactly what that'll be like. Again, ping pong tables, lawn games. I don't know if they're going to be playing croquet or I, I, I don't know racquetball. I, I, I can't even imagine what uh, what you know lawn games they'll be playing uh, while they're again playing regular season games in this very short environment. But just ways of of kind of accommodating players, making sure that they that the league lets them know. We care about you. We care about making sure that you're entertained. We understand it's a difficulty to be quarantined, to be enclosed in this bubble, but we're trying to do everything possible to make this stay for you as enjoyable as possible. Charania also mentioned that there's going to be, uh, I'm sorry, he also tweeted out an image of a proposed game day schedule, and that's going to be a little bit more complicated. It includes three different subheadings. The sample schedule is set for a theoretical game that would take place at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. From what we've heard, it's going to be a pretty tight-packed schedule because, again, you have 22 teams playing eight games within a two-week period. And so you're going to have games played, many games played each day throughout the whole day. So it's going to be very tricky to kind of set this up. I don't think we've gotten any kind of specifics regarding schedule. I don't think anybody has it. As Keith mentioned, um, you know, he's heard from league officials that this has been a nightmare scenario trying to accommodate all these teams, trying to make sure that schedules are kept. Uh, the mathematics and timing of it is very, very tricky. And so that's going to be something that's going to be worked on and fine-tuned over the next week or two. There's still time before uh, teams will be playing in, in late July. But as far as that schedule is concerned, as, 
of the three subheadings that I mentioned, times have been allotted for breakfast, shoot around, and lunch on game days. So the team breakfast will take place at the hotel. Then there's going to be transportation provided to and from hotels to shoot around with a virtual media availability for a handful of players, anywhere from one to two or three players uh, following that shoot around. And then they'll be shuttled back and then they'll have lunch provided at the hotel for the team, followed by downtime. So it's going to be somewhat close to their regular game day schedule as far as, you know, they might have shoot around. Some teams will elect not to. I imagine it's going to be a little tricky because while you want these teams and these players to be in as great shape as possible, you also don't want to overwork them during this particularly condensed and shortened week schedule. You know, you're going to have... T- Again, teams playing every other day, maybe some back-to-back sets. You don't want to necessarily force a shoot-around, although I imagine coaches with that option, knowing that players won't be going out and doing anything where they stay up till 4 in the morning or anything like that, they'll want to be able to get them in there to at least go through some drills, maybe even some video, who knows. So following that, there's going to be also a pregame schedule. That's the the second subheading as far as the, the proposed schedule that Sh- uh, Sham Sharani treated out. It includes timed court access where, you know, again, players are going to be going out to the time, to the court at a certain point. Then they'll be going back to a pregame team meeting uh, with no media availability. So nothing pregame. We won't have access to players uh, before the actual games. And we'll have them at shoot around. And then there will be a postgame meeting following those games with a short team meeting or at least a window of up to 10 minutes, followed by a media availability for any members of the media that are in attendance in Orlando, as well as a possible virtual media availability. Uh, Then there'll be transportation going back to the hotel where they have showers uh, available there, and then a meal is going to be provided or they can have meals brought in for people who want something specific following games. So that's the kind of schedule that we're looking at. Again, not very different than what we've heard, uh, you know, or, or what we've seen players do during the regular season when they're be able to travel and stuff like that. They have, you know, they have a, a, not necessarily a curfew, but they have an expectation to be in bed by a certain time. They wake up early the next day for a shoot around. They generally don't have a team breakfast. They, they take care of breakfast on their own or they can go out as players. This, you know, they're not going to have that same kind of accommodations here. They're not going to have that same kind of luxury of being able to, able to travel anywhere they want to. I'll get into some more of what, Sharani tweeted out and some other reporters mentioned regarding the proposed schedule and some of the details that we're finally finding out regarding the bubble campus set up in Disney World. You're listening to Locked on Heat. some of your mailbag questions in the next segment and in the following episode but i also wanted to continue getting into some of the details that we're finding out regarding the proposed bubble situation taking place in disney world teams have also been sent a virtual tour of the three facilities where games will be played uh, during the proposed plan the layout of these arenas will be made available to them as well as you know where they can practice shoot around just so they can go in there with some limited understanding, they want to provide a comfort zone for these teams and the players so that, you know, obviously it's not going to be the same thing as having quote unquote home court advantage, but at least they'll be able to have some kind of familiarity. I imagine the more studious, intense players, guys like LeBron James and maybe a couple on the Heat uh, that really want to have these kind of details figured out will probably go through these 
you know, virtual tours and find out a little bit more information about uh, where they'll be setting up, where they'll be shooting around, trying again to gain any possible edge uh, when the playoffs resume because they're going to need it because this is going to be a very unusual situation. Teams have also been informed of required positions for their traveling parties, which includes a maximum of 35 people. Now, I've heard that it includes players. That seems tight. I don't know if you can get players in there in that number of 35, so I'll have to do a little bit more digging as to whether or not that 35-person maximum includes players or not. But aside from that, you'll also be allowed to bring in an athletic trainer, a strength and conditioning coach, your equipment manager, a team security uh, official, as well as, you know, your, your coaches, your assistant coaches and things of that sort, maybe even members of uh, the front office to some degree. So it does seem like the 35-person maximum probably will include player because, again, if you look at the proposed allotment of players, you'll be able to make changes to bring in seven up to 17 players. At least that's what we've heard is discussed. I don't think it's been finalized yet, but if you can bring in 17 players on your roster, that leaves you another 18 players. I'm sorry, 18 people that you can bring that include five assistant coaches so you're looking at 22 people and then another 13 that include your trainers your coaches uh you know your equipment manager and your team security people teams can also include a player's private personal trainer or a personal massage therapist or their personal security guy um this gets tricky i can't imagine how that'll look because that's that's getting into the team politics where perhaps a, a team's biggest star is viewed as getting preferential treatment. I, I can imagine a guy with LeBron, LeBron's status and stature that he'd probably say, no, no, I need to get my guy in here because this is what I do, and the Lakers will accommodate him because it's LeBron. I don't know that anybody on the Heat's roster is like that. And, I, I mean, you're not going to be able to bring guys from your entourage or, or guys that you're friends with or things like that. I mean, you're going to have to have a very, very specific reason why you'd bring somebody in. I think if Dwayne was like that that he'd be able to bring in somebody i don't know if jimmy's like that i know he has his trainer that he's been quarantined with well he was quarantined with in california uh, for most of the hiatus I, i'm not sure that jimmy would be bringing that trainer with him it's a long time trainer he's had him since minnesota uh i think even before that in chicago too so i mean there's obviously a pre-existing relationship there but i just don't know that the team is going to want to accommodate him because that's that's basically sending a message to the other 16 guys sorry uh you're not quite important enough in addition to all that so in addition to the breakdown of the traveling party and the schedule and everything else chirania also posted details of the nba memo to teams regarding the schedule leading up to the resumption of the season which teams have a certain amount of time to prepare and travel to orlando in phases now what we're hearing is from adrian wojnarowski of espn that it's a 113 page health and safety protocol for orlando so it's a pretty extensive document and i think those things will continue to be flexible it's much like the u.s constitution that it's going to be a flexible living document i can imagine that this memo is probably a template that's going to be amended if necessary over the course of the next few weeks but basically as far as the the schedule for traveling to orlando or preparing for the traveling to orlando the toronto raptors will be the first team to travel to florida they'll be going specifically to naples where they'll be traveling i'm sorry well, they'll be practicing at a college facility, I believe, outside of you know the proposed bubble site. So they'll be in Naples there. And that's because of existing regulations for international travel. Well, they'll have to follow certain quarantine guidelines. They'll be you know housed basically by themselves for a couple of days. And then they'll be able to actually begin uh, training as a, a group. And, and those training sessions will be still limited to individual workouts. No, no team play, at least not officially. 
All other teams will be allowed to start conducting medical exams from about June 23rd to June 30th. And they'll be allowed to continue individual workouts for around two more weeks. So these are the individual workouts that have been taking place in certain locations. Uh, as we've heard more and more from teams around the league, I think all 30 teams or all 22 teams at the very least are available and open. They've had uh, individual workouts being allowed by their respective you know, city or state governments. Florida, unfortunately, was one of the earliest uh, to uh, make those accommodations for the teams. And so the Magic and the Heat have both had access to their individual respective facilities and now they'll be allowed to continue doing that in between june 23rd and june 30th miami would likely be going to orlando during what's called phase four between july 7th and july 9th so basically a two-day period where teams can get their stuff together get all their equipment get their traveling party ready to go and then travel to orlando specifically to the espn wide world of sports with regular testing being done on the disney campuses so um you know, again, they've been sending in their medical records prior to that. They've been doing regular testing, making sure that everybody has a positive test. So even if you're, again, in, let's say you're training in Miami, uh, you've had individual workouts, you've been able to go to the American Airlines Arena, you have to still be tested regularly to make sure that you have that you're free and, and you know, you're not testing negative. I'm sorry that you're testing negative for coronavirus. Not that if there's anybody with a positive test, you have to sit out for at least a four day quarantine is what we've been told. So once you're cleared to go and everybody's been accepted as far as the NBA and the league officials, I'm sure that this is going to be somewhat disastrous. There's always going to be people slipping through the cracks. Hopefully that's not the case. But for the most part, it's it seems like they're going to be trying to be as comprehensive as possible. They get their traveling party ready to go, and then they travel to Orlando from July 7th through 9th. And then um, from that point forward, there'll be regular testing, as I said before, on the Disney campus and limited access to Disney cast members or employees. So it's not like they're going to have a full scale, you know, staff available to NBA players. They're not going to be interacting with players all that regularly. It's going to be very limited. And we assume that some of these accommodations that I mentioned in the first segment will start to become available to players. Up until July 21st, then the teams can begin team workouts. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, once they're there, they're going to be doing individual workouts. And then on July 21st, teams can start beginning those team workouts there. Then there are a number of proposed restrictions and guidelines, such as players not being able to go into each other's hotel rooms or that players from different teams that want to eat together will have to do that outside. Again, maintaining social distancing, probably under the watchful eye of team and league officials. I don't know if there's going to be some flexibility there. I can't imagine, you know, that you're a league or an, uh, you know any kind of, of, of person affiliated with the league to some degree, and that you're going to be told, oh, you can't do this or you can't do that. I, I just It's going to be very, very difficult to see this being enforced as strictly as they're making it seem. But either way, uh, from the 22nd to the 29th, again, of July, teams will be uh, able to play three scrimmage games against teams staying in the same hotel. So that's uh, the opponents that Miami... Uh, you know, will be facing what has not been determined yet, but it's among those seven other teams that are going to be in the Grand Destino Resort Hotel Tower, whatever you want to call it. So from July 30th to October 13th, so now we're looking at 14 days in total, and this is probably the part that is most interesting to you all. That's when every team will play the proposed eight regular season or seeding games, as they're being called in this memo, meaning each team We'll have at least one back-to-back -back set. If games are being played every other day, that would require at least 16 days. So because of the, the shortened schedule, uh, even from what we had originally heard was going to be taking place, it's going to be condensed even more. 14 days to play eight games, that's not a lot of time. So you're going to have 
at least by my calculations, if, if you know, you know, you're going to be able to play on day one or day two, either July 30th or July 31st, that's going to be your first game. And then you're going to have another from that point forward, 12 days to start going ahead and, and, and finishing up the other seven games on your schedule. That's not a whole heck of a lot of time. So it's going to be very tricky. Again, as I mentioned before, this, this schedule is going to be very, very, very difficult. There might be multiple back-to-back sets here. And, you know, the, the reality is then is that this is going to be the same kind of adverse conditions for everybody. And so there's not going to be a significant advantage. Uh, following the first round of the playoffs, then each player will still be in the business. Uh, each player that's still in the Disney bubble will be allowed to book a hotel room for family guests. They'll have to pay for it themselves. Food and uh, testing will be provided for them, uh, and and any guests that leave the bubble will not be allowed back in. So that's the utmost safety protocol that's being in place there. They'll all be tested beforehand, again, following the same rules that I laid out for players. They have to make sure that they're going to be significant uh, or, or several you know, negative tests. They're going to make sure that they determine that everything is fine. Then they'll be able to travel to Orlando. They'll be quarantined there, tested again. And then once they're in their respective rooms and the test comes back negative, then they'll be allowed to interact with their players. But even those will be very limited. Again, they can't leave. They can't go to Disney World. They can't go to the campus. They can't go on rides or anything like that. Um, It's going to be a pretty tight situation there. So I wonder how many family members will actually want to go. I, I mean, you have to have some as a, as a husband and father, I would want my wife and son there, but uh, I, I don't know that I can convince them to just stay in their hotel room for days. I don't know if they'll be allowed to attend games. And um, another thing that I forgot to mention earlier, and, and probably of some importance is that players, players will be allowed to go to other games. So, you know, that LeBron is going to be seeing all, all the other teams playing. I imagine a few players like that will be there as well. Rather than just staying home and or staying in their hotel room and playing whatever lawn games are available or ping pong or anything like that, he's going to be going to all the games, making sure he watches these guys and how sharp they are, etc. It's going to be a very interesting scenario there. There is a lot to take in. I, I'm kind of overwhelmed as I was reading through that uh, detailed memo. And between, look, the two big newsbreakers, uh, you know, Shams of The Athletic and Woj from the ESPN, you'll probably get a pretty comprehensive look at what's expected in this Disney campus. Take a look, read those things over, see if anything stands out to you, and I'll be able to answer any questions you might have about it. Because I was trying to just go through it quickly and, and take out the key points to make sure that, uh, you know, you had the kind of information you needed moving forward. But it's going to be a, a lot. I, I don't know that there's going to be any kind of specific advantage for any team there. Again, the hotels are pretty uh, on par with one another. Um, everybody's going to be forced to have a very, very tight schedule. We haven't heard anything specific about, you know, the top few seeds in the in the conferences having an easier schedule than other teams or anything like that. Uh, it's going to be uh, a little tricky. Oh, look, even as I'm recording this show, we're getting more information uh, regarding bench setup every detail has to be planned and i think that's the kind of thing that we're looking at here the first row will have players and coaches with no masks required that's unusual but uh, recommended that coaches at least wear masks the second row will have other players and coaches and they must wear masks at all time unless they're an active player the wording a little unusual again it's just a tweet i'm not quite sure exactly how that that uh is going to play out there it's going to be a little tricky but Again, a lot of information for the Heat. You know that they'll be as thorough as possible. They'll be trying to to gauge everything well in advance. I I wouldn't be surprised if like you know you know now that I think about it, and I apologize for this kind of uh, taking a step back here, but you know a team like 
the Heat and Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley and and the coaching and front office staff, they they might say, you know what, it doesn't matter. We don't care what conditions you put us in, as long as we're focused on ourselves, as long as we're ready and staying in shape. It doesn't matter if we play in Disney World or if we play on the Moon. We're going to be the best team available. And so I wonder. I was thinking about it. It seems like it would be advantageous for teams to kind of scout ahead, look at these resorts and things of that sort. I know that everybody in the heat front office and coaching staff will do their due diligence, but at the same time, the message to players is probably stay sharp, stay ready, control what you can control and focus on that. And don't worry about all the extraneous noise. So that's, uh, that's what we've got so far. Any updates I'll be able to talk about in the future, but uh, I'll, I'll start getting into some of your mailbag questions in the next segment. You're listening to locked on heat. Now, I've told you before about one of the most useful apps that I've found over the most recent months, and that's called Blinkist. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. It's really unique, and it takes the key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. I like listening to Blinkist at home, in the car, wherever I have a, a few minutes to spare, and it lets me just stay up to date with some information on a variety of subjects. Again, thousands and thousands of books in their library, and you have access to all of them when when you sign up for Blinkist right now, you go to Blinkist.com. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash NBA. And you start a free seven-day trial and you get 25% off your new subscription. So that's 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Who doesn't like to save money? And right now, if you want to be able to save some money and you also need to make upgrades or changes to your car, the best place to go to for the parts that you need for your car or truck is RockAuto.com. I wanted to make some changes. I had I mentioned it before. My wife got into a, not a fender bender, but somebody damaged her taillight, had to replace it, made some calls around to a few body shops. It was going to cost hundreds of dollars. That seemed ridiculous to me for something so minor as a taillight. So I went to rockauto.com, ordered the part, had within minutes. It's a very easy, convenient self-service that you'll be t- able to take advantage of on rockauto.com. Found the part I need, had it shipped, Within days, I was able to make those changes. It took less than an hour for me to uh, install the new taillight. I'm not the most mechanically uh, capable guy, but still wanted to make that change and, and was able to make it very quickly and saved hundreds of dollars in the process. So convenient. And it's you know it's so great to be able to work with a company like rockauto.com. It's a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Think about that. 20 years on the internet. That's the kind of experience and customer service that you've been you know expecting and hoping for when it comes to ordering cars car parts they've got everything you need they're again a family business they're unique they're friendly easy to navigate on that website you can see all the parts available for your vehicle you choose the brands specifications and the prices that you prefer and they're all reliably low priced for professionals or do it yourself so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now see the parts available for your car or truck and then you write locked on in the segment that says how did you hear about us?" so they know that we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Just a reminder to listen to, subscribe, and leave a review whenever possible on your favorite app to listen to podcasts that you always get the latest episode by asking your smart device to play Locked on Heat when you get in your car to get your team every day. This question comes in from TZA Mac. He sent in this question via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat, something that you can all do. 
Now that the NBA is back after four months by the end of the July, how do you think the Heat should have waited? Oh, do you think the Heat should have waited for Justice to be back from his injury instead of trading for Andre Iguodala? Well, it wasn't just Andre Iguodala. As you recall, we also sent out James Johnson to the Minnesota Timberwolves. We also sent out... uh, uh, Dion Waiters, who was immediately waived by the Grizzlies, and we got Jay Crowder and, and, and Solomon Hill in exchange. So, the thing overall, when it comes to justice, is that we've never gotten all the details specific to what happened between him and the team. I don't think it was just the injury that was the problem. I think it was an overall theme to the season, which is we're not going to suffer any fools. We're not going to suffer any anything but a commitment to. To the team above all else, and to winning uh, also. Yeah, obviously those things go hand in hand. And the situation with Justice, it's not to label him uh, a malcontent or anything like that. But we heard rumblings that he wanted to be considered one of the one of the big dogs on this team, one of the guys that was going to be the face of the franchise or one of the faces of the franchise moving forward. And that seems a lot less likely when you bring in a guy like Jimmy, when you have Bam playing at an All Star level. And while Justice was going through his injury, there were also questions about whether or not he was committed to coming back. The team was trying to force him to come back a little bit more quickly. He balked at that. And then from that point forward, I think the team kind of just said, you know, maybe this guy, he's not our guy. And that's unfortunate because as TZA and others have mentioned, Justice was going to be a phenomenal player. And, and I, I kind of go back to a tweet that I saw from the Memphis Grizzlies where they're introducing Justice Winslow, uh, who will be available and will probably play for the Grizzlies when they're in uh, the playoff situation in Orlando. I, I don't know if they'll be facing the Heat or not. Again, those schedules have not been finalized, and, and Miami has played Memphis twice already, so he's not going to be part of the team. Or he's not. they're not going to face each other until, I don't know, maybe the playoffs. I don't, I don't know if, if it's going to be... 16 teams or seeded uh, according to conference. I don't think that's the case. I think it's going to be kind of a free-for-all, so we'll see how it happens. But either way, um, Justice should be available, and he's being listed as a point guard. And so for a lot of people, that was kind of a, a sticking point because that's the position where he sees himself best. He was a capable ball handler, a guy who can initiate offense, and he's going to be John Morant's backup there. Uh, trading him to Memphis forced him probably to kind of reevaluate his position, uh, what he does, um, what his future is going to be. It's a hard transition to make for everybody because, you know, you come in being the superstar of your respective high school or AAU team, and then you go to college and you're being heavily recruited nationally and you have your choice of different schools. And then for a lot of players, it's kind of a one and done deal. Even guys that spend two, three years, four years, maybe even in college, they're used to being stars. I, I mean, they're arguably the best player. Look at look at Miami. I know I've made the example a lot, but a guy like Chris Silva, you know, was a great player at Roselle High School in New Jersey. He was a phenomenal player in South Carolina, an all two a two time All Defensive Player for the SEC Conference. Uh, you know, was able to to help guide them to a number of wins. Was valued as a player by his coaching staff around the conference, etc doesn't go drafted that's a slap in the face and for a lot of players they may not be able to say they might not be able to to kind of put that in perspective and say well it's time for me to make a change i think for justice being a one-and-done player at duke having won a championship there i I think uh you know he was ready to kind of change i think he was ready to become the the star of a team and you know he he wasn't going to do that in miami because he was uh you know, playing alongside Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, his rookie season that that changed. I've, I've gone about justice a lot. I think over the how 
how unfair it was for him to have uh, any kind of stability or to expect him to have any kind of clear indication of what kind of player he would be when there was so much instability during the first few years of his tenure in Miami. But either way, as far as TZA's question, I don't think they were going to care one way or the other. I, I Look, if they were going to – they didn't want to wait. They didn't want to wait for justice. They didn't want to make sure that they don't want him on this team. And that's that's ultimately what it came down to is that they were ready to move on from the Justice Winslow experience because they thought either he was not on board with the team dynamic, whether he was going to be making uh, problems in the locker room, whether he was going to be a, a chemistry situation. Maybe he, it just turned out that they thought his talents were somewhat duplicative of what Jimmy Butler's been able to provide as far as wing defense and, and ball handling ability. Not necessary anymore as a, that type of player, as good as Justice can be, as much as he could have been a great playmaker and defender. Um, you know, maybe you just wind up not needing a player like that when you have Jimmy on this roster. I think it was probably a little hasty, but at the same time, you also get a guy like Iguodala um, who has championship experience, and I think that's going to be such a huge benefit for Miami. To me, that's that's the coup of bringing in a guy like Iggy Iguodala, excuse me, because he does not like the Iggy nickname. But either way, for Iguodala, is a guy to have that kind of championship experience, albeit you know, no one knows what to expect this season with the kind of conditions they'll be playing in, but it's going to be very, very different for everyone, and uh, nobody has any kind of understanding of what that might be like. But for Iguodala, at least he's able to guide the players, kind of give them a perspective, help them train in, in a little way, and he understands his role. He, he's not coming into this team to become a superstar or anything like that, and I think he, he totally understands that. I've talked to him about it, and he, he understands what his role on this team is going to be. Uh, that's not the case with Justice, and so... When it comes to trading him, it wasn't about uh, uh, you know not appreciating his abilities or what he could do on the floor, but it was more about his fit off the floor and any kind of potential situation that might arise from that. And they were ready to move on from Justice. And so I think they were somewhat upset with him for not coming back from injury as quickly as they would have liked. There was the kind of re-diagnosis of a bone bruise uh, midway through the injury situation, and the next thing you know, uh, he was being traded. So I think the team just grew frustrated with justice and uh, they were ready to move on so it would have been nice to have him here because he is a capable wing defender because he is a good ball handler but uh, i think you can get somewhat comparable level of skill from Iguodala as far as his defense overall is concerned you hope that he'll be able to get his legs back and now he'll be uh, able to play at a high level again there's that experience factor Jimmy's going to be handling the ball a lot anyway but you also get Jake Crowder who's been a great find a guy who can space the floor and uh, brings in another big versatile defender that you can throw at multiple players and multiple positions so uh, it's kind of a two-for-one deal when it comes to Justice. As much as you'd like to have Justice on the roster, you're getting some pretty good return in exchange. And so I think the trade's worked out for both teams. And uh, I'm curious to see what Justice is like with the Grizzlies, and that's going to be one of the, the storylines I'll be following when the playoffs start. Just a reminder that you can always reach out to me online at Locked on Heat or using the hashtag AskLHeat. Coming up later this week, stay tuned for another mailback episode where I compare this team to the 2004 Detroit Pistons and also take a look at what Miami's closing line it might be during the playoffs in Orlando. I'll also be airing my two-part interview with one of the greatest wing defenders in Heat history and the team's current director of scouting, Keith Askins. It's a really fun conversation. I'll be able to at least play one episode so you can hear from Keith and everything he has to say about his tenure in Miami, his role there now, and what's uh, changed during this pandemic. Make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app. You'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Heat as soon as it's out. I'm David Rommel signing off and thank you as always for your support. Please stay safe. Yeah! Wrap it up, D. Um.